Hey, everybody. I'm Fran Frischella, and welcome to World of Basketball, where we bring you uh, interesting basketball guests from every corner of the basketball globe, from down under to Lithuania to other parts of Europe, Canada, and of course, even those people in the United States who have something to do with international hoops in one way, shape, or form. Uh, remember, World of Basketball is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. So check out your new Sirius XM app now. You can go back and get uh, many of the over 30 uh, podcasts that we've already recorded some, with some great guests. Also, if you can, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Today's special guest is from Georgia. No, not Atlanta or Savannah, <laughs> but Tbilisi, Georgia. He happens to be Sandro Mamukelishvili, the outstanding senior forward from Seton Hall University, who is one of the most delightful young guys that we've had a chance to interview on this podcast. And uh, with that, I'm bringing my co-host and producer, Christopher Tyler, uh, from Parts Down Under. And uh, Chris, we really enjoy talking to this young guy. He has a lot of life and he's certainly in the midst of a great career. Yeah, we pretty much love every single guest that we get on yeah, every we week. But when we get someone on like Sandra, who legitimately seems excited to, to jump on and, and talk to us and tell his yeah. story, not a lot of people know about his story. So to be able to get him on and, and give him time to explain who he is, what drives him, yeah. uh, what made him who he is. Well, the player that he is and, yeah. and you know, what his plans are heading in towards his NBA career. It was fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in the midst of a, an All-American season at Seton Hall. Uh, first or second or third team, I'm not sure, but he's certainly worthy of being considered because he is a uh, fabulous senior for Seton Hall. He's been part of a great renaissance with the Pirates under Kevin Willard. And uh, I think you're going to find out a lot about him today on the podcast uh, Actually, dual citizen. A lot of people don't realize. Born in New York, uh, has family here. Spent most of his uh, childhood really back in the Republic of Georgia, uh, and then uh, Italy, where he was, uh, you know, basically in high school. I guess you could say, uh, playing up in uh, Biella, which is up in the northern part of Italy. A good basketball program. From there, Montverde Academy where he got the chance to play with R.J. Barrett, among others, for uh, uh, Kevin Boyle onto Seton Hall and uh, just some great insight from Sandro. And Sandro, as I said, uh, you're coming off uh, so far a great season. Seton Hall has just won their ninth game in a, uh, of the season. He had 15 in a win over DePaul. And uh, if you're catching up with some of the people that we have talked about on this podcast, obviously, Luca Garza, I mean, what can you say, Chris? He's still going strong. Uh, 33, only five rebounds in a blowout of uh, Minnesota, but 28 points a game. And how about this? 49% from three. That to me is the most impressive part. That was something that he wanted to work on throughout the offseason. That was it, what was what he was telling us. And he has come out and he's on fire. And it's not as if he's just shooting, you know, one, maybe two, three pointers a game. He's actually a big part of his game is from behind the arc, and he's really dominant from behind there now, which really rounds out his collegiate game. No, no doubt about it. He, he and his dad, Frank, were on our podcast during the summer, and they talked about working on his game and exp expanding that game to the three-point line. He's certainly done that. Uh, we Tommy, Tommy Lloyd, the associate head coach at Gonzaga, has been on the show, and Zags are still going strong, blowing out uh, Portland over the weekend. Uh, over last weekend, and uh, the story there was the French, the Frenchman Joel Ayayi, 
with a 12.14 assist, 13 rebound, triple-double. Hard to believe this, Chris. First triple-double in Gonzaga history when you think yeah. of the great players. But Tommy's filled us in nicely on that international connection. Absolutely. And it is surprising that you think of all the guys that have come through that program, yeah. like Sabonis especially. You would have thought maybe Sabonis would yeah. have done it at least once in his career. But what a performance from uh, Joel A.I. But my favorite performance of the weekend, it was the first chance this week that I had to watch Michigan. And oh, my yeah. goodness, they dismantled Wisconsin. And our boy, Franz Wagner, yes. former World of Basketball guest. <laughs> man, he played really, really well. Finished with 15 points, 10 rebounds. But that team as a whole, man, they were fun to watch. Yeah, no question about it. France is, uh, boy, they are they are fun. I I think right now, I don't know. I think they were seventh in in the in the early week rankings. I think they're right there with Gonzaga and De- uh, Baylor uh, as uh, if not the best team in the country. If you want to go ahead and stick with Gonzaga, that's fair. But certainly among the three best right now, the way they're playing. And uh, so, yeah, kudos to Franz Wagner. Hey, everybody who comes on the World of Pod- Basketball podcast, either we've picked the right guests or the, yeah. maybe we're a lucky charm because they're all playing well. And uh, they're all interesting young people, and we get a chance to talk to them about not just what they're doing now, but their journey to college basketball in the United States. And, of course, we've had NBA guys on. We've had international stars. We've had coaches and executives. So we, we love what we're doing. We're going to continue to bring it to you every week. Again, this week, uh, we cover the Republic of Georgia. Yep, basketball there is more than just Zaza Pachulia, their, uh, <laughs> their outstanding uh, national hero. Today, we bring you from the Seton Hall Pirates, the senior having a great year, Sandro Mamu Kelishvili. I love saying that, Mamu Kelishvili. Hey, listen, first of all, we're, we're honored to have you on the podcast and uh, the first question I want to ask you is, when you tell people from jo- you're from Georgia, how many people say, oh, you from Atlanta? <laughs> Probably 80% of them. Really? Like, they were like, oh, where are you from? I'd be like, I'm, I'm from Georgia. And they'd be like, oh, you from Atlanta? I'd be like, nah, nah, <laughs> not that Georgia. I'm from Europe. And they'd be like, there is another Georgia in Europe? I'd be like, oh. The Republic of Georgia. Away. I'm like, no, I can't talk to you no more. You don't know Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> That's well. I got to ask you first of all, in South in South Orange, can can you get any good harcho? Any? Uh, unfortunately, not. No. But I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be near New York City, and there is a great Georgian restaurant in New York called okay. Chama Mama, and I always go there after every win. I have to celebrate it with my <laughs> own brother, and we just yeah. go there and we just kill it. <laughs> so, are you a celebrity when you go in there now? Be honest. Uh, yeah, you can say that. You can say yeah, that. But they're cool. really, really nice to everybody, but especially yeah. to Georgians. And when I go in, they just it's like a house atmosphere. So I love it. I'm outstanding, man. That's great. That's really cool. All right. So here's the amazing thing about you. You know, most people grow up and want to play basketball and they go, well, my dad played, you know, my older <laughs> brother played. But you you started basketball because of your grandmother. She's like a legend, right? <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, my grandma, unfortunately, passed away before I was born. Got but it. um. My father always used to tell me, like, your grandma was so nice and just <laughs> like, showing me these black and white pictures of her playing basketball. And I feel like some of the pictures, they even didn't play indoor. Some of them were also outdoor, you know, because they didn't have gyms and stuff. So I was like, my grandma played. I might as well try it. And my father used to always say, like, I was so nice. I could have dunked. And yeah. back in the day, like, when you were young, you were like, 
I, I would go to school and I'm like, my father could dunk and I got to play basketball. So I tried basketball at first and I didn't like it. I was like, nah, this is not my sport because, you know, growing up in Europe, soccer is so dominant. You just want to play soccer because everybody plays soccer. So uh, I moved, I played soccer, then I played tennis. I loved tennis. Tennis was my favorite sport and, and uh, I grew up skiing. So basically like I would always like kind of go ski in winter, play soccer. I would do all this stuff. And, um, I feel like just the basketball love came back naturally. Um, I feel like I had this one basket in my grandma's yard and I would always shoot there. And I had this amazing um, uh, neighbor. Her name was Natia. She was a girl and she was an amazing shooter. So she told me how to shoot. And since then, I just started loving, it, you know, and I just started playing basketball. And that's how it started. So you're a big guy. I mean, you're six six eleven, I think, right? I mean, that's what you listed. You're mobile, and we'll talk about all the, your your skills later. Mm-hmm. But tall family. I mean, is this you know like? Or are, yeah. you, are you a freak, or is is it? <laughs> nah, I would not say that. My father is like six seven. My brother oh, is um, six four. My mom is five ten. So I feel like my brother <laughs> didn't grow. And I have one oldest brother. His name is George. He lives in Georgia and he yeah. didn't grow. And there, my father was like, I got to get at least one. So it was like yeah. a jackpot. And I, I just became tall. So he lives in Georgia, but he ain't in Atlanta. He's back home in the Republic. Yeah, he's okay, back home, okay. yeah. I just want to make sure. I don't want to confuse anybody. So that's it. So, you, I mean, you're blessed, man. I mean, I'm 5'8". I would have killed any, killed for, killed. 100%. Anybody. I'm blessed. I'm yeah. really blessed. Yeah. <laughs> So you came over here, you, you spent a lot of time uh, in the summertime in the States, you'd come over and a lot of people don't remember this. I, we, you know, those of us who are older remember, but you were in Chicago as a little child, basically, when this brief war broke out with, yeah. the, with the Russians, yeah. 2008, I think. And, and uh, 2008. Yeah. August. So, yeah. August, 2008. You didn't really know what was going on until you went back. Like you were kind of in a cocoon in Chicago, right? Just chilling out. Going to Bulls, going to Chicago Bulls, Bulls. basketball. Oh my camp. god, I don't, I don't know how you know this information. Come on, man. I don't think Come I've on. ever said. That. <laughs> so and then, so what? You don't remember anything about the war until you and David got home, right? Like I, I remember beats and pieces. I remember um, we got this house in Mountain, and um, my um, our housekeeper was at that house uh, with her grandchildren. And once the war broke out, she like all this like transport stopped. And I remember my mom was really nervous one day because my father had to go pick them up and he had to like drive through the war and, and, and he just saw like bombings and stuff, but, um, by God, everything, everything went smooth and he came back. But I remember like little bits and pieces. It, it, it was, it was a really tough war and, uh, like 17, 18 year old kids were going and they never held the gun in their life. So, uh, <laughs> Like, I just I just sometimes feel bad that I was out here just kind of relaxing. And but, you know, um, I, like it, it was tough. But I, 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 I found out more when I came back. When I came back, I, I definitely found out more. And I was like, oh, my God, it's crazy. Yeah. So that's not a country that makes you go do, do military service for a year or two, is it? You're- it, it is. It is. Um, most okay. of the time, uh, if you uh, I feel like right now, if you don't go to college, you have to do military service. So, Got it. Um, okay. you know, it, it's tough sometimes. Yeah, it's a pride factor, too. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I got it. So now you at 14, you, you start getting better and then you end up going to uh, northern Italy. Beautiful. Yeah. Place called Biella. Who, yeah. who's, who's the NBA player? I coached this guy at, at Eurocamp. Who's the NBA player that played in uh, in Biella? Uh, Jarepko, yeah. right? Yeah, Jarepko, yeah. yeah. 
Jonas, Jonas. Yeah, there, and, and Tabo Sefolosha played there, too. I yeah. don't know if you know. I, yeah. do, I didn't so. know that. I didn't know he was there. I, I should have yeah. remembered that. Angel, what is it? Angelico Biela. Yeah, my favorite yeah. place. Yeah. I love that Beautiful. place. Yeah. Oh, my I, God. Is that right at the foot of the mountains up in there? Up? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like it's like a perfect place for, for a kid. And just their basketball program is amazing. So I, I was lucky enough to go there and not somewhere else. How did you get found? Like, did someone find you? Did a scout find you and say, hey? Yeah, exactly. That's okay. what happened. Um, so basically, my friend uh, went to Italy, and uh, he was born in 98. And then um, his, his, his friend who was a scout was like, yo, can you, can you please find me somebody who was born in 99 and can't hoop? And my friend was like, yeah, I know Sandro, and you can reach out to him. And um, funny part was, like, I wanted to come to state so bad. I was texting all these high school coaches. Right. And out of nowhere, he was like, hi, um, my name is this and this. And um, what do you think about going to play in Italy? And I go to my father. I'm like, this guy texted me, and he wants to take me to Italy. And my father was like, you better not respond to him because you are not going nowhere. And I feel like once, like, I was like, you know what? Let me text him still. So I started texting this guy back and forth, and he got really serious. And he was like, there's three teams would love to see you. And would you be able to come down? And I, like when I showed my father all these messages, my aunt and my mom, they were like, I feel like we got to try it. So I came, uh, I, I worked out for Asijeko basketball and I worked out for Biela. And um, I came back and in two months, Biela reached out back and they said, you know, when we love you, we would love you to come back and start playing for us. And it just happened. Everything so, so fast. Like it, it just it was it was crazy. So a place like Biela, as I know, many of those teams in Europe, you're you're kind of obviously it's it's the equivalent of for you high school. I mean, before you get to mm-hmm. convert, a yeah. lot of fundamentals, right? A lot of fundamentals. Lot it's of all fundament- fundamentals. All fundamentals <laughs> at your age, 14, 15, 16. At the same time, because you have this a little American <clears throat> background with your family over here, what's the thought process of, you know, I can you could probably you could have probably turned pro. Yeah, that that yeah. was the thought process. I'm not gonna lie. Um so basically, when I went, it was really, really hard. I was calling my mom every two weeks, and I was like, "Yo, you gotta take me out of here!" Like, You're I, I can't do this. Yeah, You're homesick. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like the the, the first thing that I remember it was my first week, and I didn't have no more boxers and socks. So I remember calling her. I'm like, "So can you remind me how do I do my uh, washing again?" Like, I I don't remember how. And and she was like, "Oh my god, why did I even why did I even let you go?" But I feel like my coach, his name was Federico Danna. And, and he he's like a father figure to me because he really took me out of his wing. And, you know, just being 14 years old, I went to school in Italian. And I remember like two weeks in, the chemistry teacher gave me a chem, like the test in Italian. And I'm like, I don't speak any word. Like, I can't do chemistry in Georgian. How do you want me to do it in Italian? And um, I feel like that was like kind of like the hardest part at the beginning was like, I feel like, yeah, ball bounces, but at the same time, I'm there for school. I can't just not study. So I feel like I started learning Italian really seriously. And um, after six months, I, I knew it pretty good. And um, I feel like that's what helped me, like, like overcome that little barrier and not go home. And I feel like my parents did a great job because my father came down, my aunt came down, and, like, it, it, they just kept me occupied while, while, while I, was, I was really trying to figure out what I want. What I want. And, um, like, when I turned 16, after my um, uh, Adidas Next Generation tournament, I had a really big offers from EuroLeague teams. And at that point, I'm like, okay, let, let's go pro. And, you know, I, I see all these European guys going pro. But, you know, like people say, 
your comfort zone going to kill you. And I feel like I was in, the, in a comfort zone. I wanted to grow as a person and my dream was to play in the state. So I was like, you know what? Um, my vert is the best school in, in, in the country. So uh, I definitely got to see how, how it is. And, you know, it was a challenge coming over here because I was like, why would I do it? I could have just went pro and had a, had a, had an amazing life, but uh, <laughs> I just put myself in this situation where, I don't even know how they play out here, you know, and, and, and in Europe, as you know, it's so much more like functional, like, you know, like my coach was like, I don't care. You were six, eight, six, nine. You got to bring the ball up. You got to shoot the three. I want you to do everything. I, I want you to understand that there is no limit to the game. Like if you feel like you can do it and you work on it, you can do it. So basically coming here, it was kind of hard, kind of me figuring out where I fit. But um, it, uh, Verde was an, was an amazing place. I, I really learned a lot. So you needed a guy like Kevin Boyle to be screaming at you all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember I, my English was not that good. And I remember he said, go stand at the block. And I'm just yeah. looking at him. He like, said, go stand in the block. Yeah. And then he started screaming at me. He said, can anybody tell him where's the block? I was like, oh, my God. What did I step into right now? <laughs> so how did you get to Montverde, given that it's so well known? And obviously, you, I'm sure you were good enough right away to – I mean, I know who was on your team. We'll get into that. Sure. But you, you were a well-known young player in Europe, so you had credentials. Who, who guided you to Mount Verde? How did that happen? So um, the first thing was, um, like, the European rankings came out that year. Um, and right. um, it, it, called, it was called Eurohoops. And right. um, I was ranked number three uh, behind yeah. Luka Doncic and Zana Musa. And they were both <laughs> <laughs> big Pretty players good. right now. Yeah. 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 So I, from then, from there on, uh, assistant coach, uh, one of my friends, close friends, Frank Holloway, saw me and he was like, you want to come in the States? Like, I'm at Montverde right now. And, you know, I feel like it would be great for you to come here. And at first I was like, oh, no, I'm not leaving Italy. Like, I, I just got comfortable. I, I don't want to leave. But, you know, I feel like my brother is the biggest, like, kind of idol in my life. He always challenges me. So he said, I feel like it will be the best thing for you to leave. And that one happened in, in like, Two months. I finished wow. uh, Finale Nazionale in Italy. Yeah. And boom, straight after, I, I was on the plane coming to, coming to Mount Verde. Wow, that's amazing. So you get there, and R.J. Barrett's there. <laughs> yeah, Mar tell me Mar about it. <laughs> Marcus Carr, uh, Leaky Black. Yeah. And Andrew Nemhard. Yeah, Andrew Nemhard. Wow. Yeah, so the team was packed. I remember yeah. just walking in the dorm and just seeing them and, and – uh, RJ's ranked number one in the country. Andrew's ranked number five in the country. Marcus yeah. is ranked. Leaky's number like top 25 in the country. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah. That's I remember crazy. watching y'all on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that, were you intimidated or were you by this time pretty nah, confident? No, nah, never intimidated. You know, um, just going in, I was in a great place, great mind. Like, my mindset was great. And uh, yeah. I feel like I was more motivated, you know, the, the, the harder is challenge for me, the, the more motivated I get. And, and I feel like it was more like, this is a challenge. Take it as a challenge and not as a, you know, and I just took it as we're one team, but I still have to prove myself. And that's the best thing. When you're not in your comfort zone, you have to prove yourself. And I feel like that's when hard work comes in. And I feel like I just try to hard work and I'll work somebody and just be there every day earlier. So I feel like it, it worked out pretty good. You know, I've known Coach Boyle a long time, so I know what you're getting when you get him. So you've got a great coach who's demanding, and you had great talent around you. So yeah. how much – I mean, it had to help you improve, right, as good as you are? 100%. I feel, like, I feel like people don't understand. Like, Europe is great, but yeah. here is dogfight. 
or yeah. or you eat or you get eaten. And and yeah. I, I I really mean this. Like coming here mentally, I feel like physically and basketball wise, skill wise, I was ready, but mentally I was not. And I feel like people who want to come over uh, come over here and play here gotta understand that it's not that that basketball. Everybody's fighting for something, you know. And like I just came here and I just like the reality just hit me, you know. They were like. Or you got to do it or, or you get eaten. And and since then, like, I really try to outwork myself every single day and work on my mental health to to be at the position where I'm at today. It was it was definitely really hard. Yeah. But you got I'll tell you, looking back on your great career so far at Seton Hall and then what your future holds is going to be cool, too. You kind of were lucky that you went to a place that was almost like for, from a basketball standpoint, it's like joining the <laughs> army. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, like. Not, nothing that you're dealing with in the Big East playing against Creighton Villanova is, I mean, I know it's tough, but you, you've been prepared because of your background and who you've been yeah. around. 100%. And, and I'll be honest, I never told this to nobody. Yeah. Um, basically, when I came here, I never watched college basketball. I, I, <laughs> only team I knew was probably Duke and North Carolina. So right, right. I remember we had, uh, you know, Coach Boyle is just yeah. Coach Boyle. For Coach Boyle, it doesn't matter what time it is. And he, we had practice at like 5.30 a.m. We are yeah. all and, – and I remember after practice, I have to, I was running to school and Coach Bill Meyer stopped me. And he was like, yeah. hey, I'm Coach Bill Meyer from Senior Hall University. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Big East? Senior Hall? What is this? Like, I, I even right. didn't know what, what – and then I, I remember I was in my first class and I'm Googling Senior Hall and trying to figure out what type of right. school it is and stuff. So yeah. it was pretty fun. The recruiting process was really, really fun. Well, you know, it's funny. I was trying to figure out, like, why Seton Hall? Then I thought, wait a minute, Coach Boyle, Coach Bill Meyer, this is, a, <laughs> this is like a no-brainer. But it, it really, what I like about you is you got to Seton Hall right at the time. You got there as a freshman with a Desi and uh, Angel, Angel Delgado yeah, and that yeah, senior yeah. class. And, like, there were other – I mean, you could have gone to L.A. and different places. Yeah. And when you look back on it, you came to South Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> but – but yeah. it's turned out great. It's turned out it great. It turned out amazing. You know, yeah. this also tells me like God really has a plan and you just got to follow it. And, and, you know, like Coach Willard was here so often. Like I remember I would practice and I would just see Coach Willard in the stands and Coach Bill Meyer in the stands and just texting me and just being all over. And, and, you know, I just loved how they, they like treated me, you know, like some, like, if Senior Hall is a great school and great program, but they really are humbled. You know, when they recruit you, they really understand, like, you know, there is a big competition out there. But, like, we, they really know, like, that if you come here, you're going to get better. And that, that's, that's point blank, period. And I feel like that, that's what got me, like, just seeing transition of Angel Delgado from his freshman year to senior year, Desi's transition, Dino's transition. You know, Desi didn't even have a, um, like, a, he, he played power forward in, in, the high, in the high school. So I feel like that's what hooked me to Senior Hall because even in Biela, they were so much on fundamentals. And then Montverde is really big on fundamentals. And then Coach Rillard is really big on fundamentals. So I feel like that was like one of the key decisions, like just family vibes and just I knew I would get better. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I was joking about South Orange, but if, because I know it's a family atmosphere, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like, like it's it's a, it's it's not the best place. I'll give it to you. It's it, you well, know it's, it's, I, well, I'm, I'm, it's an I'm amazing place. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, and yeah, so like, I, I, it's 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 gritty. That's what exactly. I exactly, and that's the best part about it. You see how we play. Like, I, that's what I say. <laughs> like like your team over the last four years, and even you know your freshman year, 
when I think of Coach Willard now, I think of Gritty. Yeah. Like, I, I think, you know, Walsh. Junkyard dogs, you know. Yeah. I, I feel like that's – I feel like it's not pretty, but it has, yeah. it should not be pretty, you know. I feel like when it's pretty, you, you it's not good. It should it should not be pretty for you to you to make you gotta make it pretty and I feel like that's that's what's the best thing about here is like it might be not it might not be pretty, but we we are trying to make it and we really come out and I, I wish you could see our practices we just the practice is like you're crazy it's worse than the game we just fight every day so I feel like the the competitiveness we have so much competitiveness in us and and Coach Willard is so competitive. It just everything just adds up, and it makes it perfect, you know. See, he's going to get mad at me when he finds out he thinks I was dissing South Orange. And <laughs> I didn't mean it that way because I know that's where the grittiness comes from. Yeah, hundred percent. We got some good pizza spots out here. You're going to yeah. be surprised, you know, pizza spots. <laughs> I, I know, I know, teriyaki <laughs> and stuff. So I feel like at the end, it, it, it's pretty nice. <laughs> no, no, it's and what you guys have done, and this is what I want to get into. You have been a part of an amazing renaissance. So I'm, I'm going to ask you about this. Uh, one of my favorite players last season, and you played with him for three years, was Miles Powell. What was it about Miles that made him the player he was, and what did you learn from him? And, and the first thing you know about Miles is it doesn't matter. You are out on the court. You're at the gym. You're playing 2K. Whatever you're doing, that man is trying to gotta come and take the best out of you. And, and I mean it, you know. It was not one day where we would go in the gym and and he would not be like, I'm the best player in the, in the gym and you better bring it because if not, I'm going to eat you alive. And I feel like that's what we saw in Miles and, and, and his growth where once his confidence got to a level he got, it was over. Like he knew what he could do and we knew what we could do. And the best thing about this this last team was we're so unselfish, you know. Like at the end of the day, we all know if we win, everybody gets a piece of the cake. And we don't, we didn't care how we would win. We knew that Miles was our leader, and at the end of the day, we would we would step up when we needed to step up. And as long as we won, it didn't matter. And that's I feel like my goal was to win. And I didn't care like who would score what points, what what would happen. As long as at the end of the day you were coming out with a smile and a win under your belt, it doesn't matter. And I feel like that's what Miles was fighting always for. Yeah, no, he's tremendous, man. I, I love watching him. I was uh, I was at your Michigan State game too two years Oof. ago. Oof. That was that, a big game. <laughs> that was a big game, man. That was crazy. All right, Coach Willard. I've known him since probably he was a kid. You know, what is it about him? He took a he took over when Seton Hall was down, down, he, down he, bad. And now you guys are and I you know we were joking about the campus and everything, but nah. your your team is one of the most respected teams in the country because of the toughness. What is it about him? that makes him the coach he is? This, I, coach Willard is amazing. Like, and, 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 and I know it's like, sounds crazy. Like, but like, I remember uh, we started rough this year, you know, and it was, it was not easy coming off the quarantine, you know? And, and, and the first thing I like he did was throw us in the fire. He said, you know what? I don't care. We're going to play Louisville. And at the end of the day, we might get our uh, butt kicked, but, it will be a lesson. We're going to understand where we stand and we're going to understand what we have to work on. And you see, like, Coach Willard is that guy who trusts his team very much. Like, like I remember we started losing the game and he called me in his office. We, we had a conversation and I have to leave his office and I look back and there's this big blow-up bed in his office. I'm like, he said, you know what? When you want to be great, you have to sometimes, like, do do extra. And 
And that's what you see in Coach Willard all the time, where he does extra every day. He comes in the office at 5 a.m. He's always ready. Like It's just like when you have a coach who believes in you that much as Coach Willard, you go out there and you don't care how hard, like you want to play hard for him. You don't care how you, how you play, but you want to play hard. And I feel like that's what Coach Willard does great is he has a great staff around him and he, like, he just wants the best out of you. And that's yeah. what makes him great. I remember when you played Louisville, the game I did uh, on a Friday, and you didn't. You you started practicing after COVID on that Monday. Exactly. And I remember him telling me I was at practice on Thanksgiving Day, and he said, "I don't know what's going to happen, but our guys are excited about playing. We want to get the season started, no matter what happens." Exactly, and and I love that. I love that. I feel like if we postpone the game, I feel like it it would kind of bring us down a little more. But he he threw us in the fire, and and you know, new team. Without Miles Powell, without Quincy, without Rowe, you need that game. You need those games to kind of realize, like, this is what we are we're playing like, and this is what we have to play like. And watching the film and stuff, he just does an amazing job just kind of pointing that kind of things out. You got off to a slow start, and then you guys went to Penn State. Yeah. I watched that game on TV, man, and that was, uh, Penn State. <laughs> that was a fun game. You, you, uh, you put a mark on that game. That, that had to yeah. be a fun comeback. I love that game. You know, um, one thing you like see offense state game is how hard we played. Like they came out and dr- drilled three after three after three after three. And we're looking at the scoreboard and we're down 20 points. And, you know, a lot of teams would say like, you know what? I'll, I'm going to be selfish this time. You know, we're down 20. I'm going to start jacking shots. I'm going to start doing this. And, you know, but I feel like we're like, we just knew we so much, we can bring so much to the game still. And game was so young and, we kind of culturally saying, you know what, if we limit their threes and we're going to do like to make better decisions and play ourselves, we're going to win this game. And I remember like just in the huddles, we would always motivate ourselves like eight minute mark. Let's let's make it better. Let's make it better. Four minute mark. Let's make it even better. And we, let's take it down to like single point game um, at the at the halftime. And I feel like it just like our momentum just grew, grew, grew. And then it just. Like at the end, we were down eight, I think, but we still didn't stop fighting. And I feel like that fighting spirit they didn't expect, and I feel like yeah. that's what won the game. Let's let's talk about the general last twelve months. Um, first of all, you put your name in to the NBA drafts. Smart move. Yeah, I mean you 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 deserve that right. What what kind of feedback? Now you're a senior. I see you on the draft boards. You, you you're going to have a great chance to play profession play in the NBA. What what did you? What kind of feedback did you get about what you needed to keep getting better at? Um, first of all, like, I remember how nervous I was. Like, I feel like I've never been that close to my dream in my life. Like, I remember, I remember the coach told me like, Hey, you got interview with Spurs tomorrow. And I'm like, what? And I remember I suited up, I put suit on, I put a jacket on and, and like, I promise you for the first five minutes of that interview, I don't know what I was saying. Like, I thought I was. I was flipped 360, 180, and I didn't. I, I thought I didn't know English, and I remember like just looking at them, like no way, I'm really sitting in front of them, and, and I'm just, you know, they're asking me about my story, and um, I feel like it it was an amazing experience just because after every call, I would I would ask them at the end, like, what do you think I have to improve, and um, you know, everything came out a little bit, you know, free throw percentages. Like they told me I have to be more focused on my free throws, um, especially defense. You know, they said they said if I want to play in the NBA, I have to be able to switch one through five. And I feel like 
NBA guards are the best guards in the world. So if I want to play there, I have to contain the ball. And also they said I have to do a be- much better job at the rotation. For example, if my guy reds, I have to be at a, at a, at a, at a spot to kind of help have his back. And um, after that, it was basically all confident, confidence and mental. Like they said, you know what? If you go back, you're about to be the leader of this team and we want to see it. And coming in, that's what was on my mind. Like, you know, I can show them what I have. Like, I can't do it. And, you know, right now I have a great chance. Coach believes in me. My teammates believe in me. So I feel like coming in, I was mentally ready to show everybody what I really have in my skill set. So I feel like uh, the the draft draft process was one of the best process, even though I wish everything went better. I could have went worked out. I could have, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like that was the best thing I've ever done. How, how much has, how much was miles is like miles was your go-to guy for, you yeah. know, for, for a couple Two of years. years. Yeah. And then la- la- like this early this season, and even now you're the go-to guy at Louisville coach, put it in your hands. He spread the floor. He's doing that a lot. How much of being a go-to guy do you think is helping you grow as a player? Well, let me back up. How much confidence do you have in saying I'm making this last shot? I got give me the ball. <laughs> that's that's my confidence right there. Yeah. I, yeah. I promise you, like after I'm in the fourth quarter and we need a bucket, like I'm never backing that. And and that's that's like like hundred percent. Like give me the ball and I'll make something happen because like I feel like people don't really understand one thing about me is I love facilitating. Like. My best, I, I really feel like my skill set is, is great because I can really see the floor. And it doesn't mean, give me the ball doesn't mean like I'm going to go play one-on-one and force the shot up. Like as you saw in Louisville, I posted up and I had to go to the basket, but there were better options like to call cutting at the at the end and I, I dissed it. Marquette game, I could have laid in, but I saw Shavar. Penn State game, Shavar. So I feel like people don't understand there's two different things between give me the ball and I'll do it or give me the ball and I'll make sure something happens. And I think I'm that guy where give me the ball and I'll make something happen. And and, and I don't want to be cocky or nothing. I really think like like facilitating is the best style of basketball. And, you know, you know, being on in the camps overseas. <laughs> yeah. Coach oh, yeah. is going extra pass, extra pass, extra this hockey assist. So I feel like I grew up just playing point guard. Because of my coach, Federico, he was like, yo, you can't handle that. You can't do this. You can do that. So I feel like right now, coach putting the ball in my hands is just a blessing so I can really show what I'm capable. And and just having teammates I have right now, everybody's stepping up. Everybody's always ready, always stepping in their shots. So I feel like I feel blessed right now where yeah. I'm at. You know what Tia Dosage says, right? Tia oh, yeah. Tia, says, oh, my God. Tia, Tia Dosage is Well, different. here's what he says. when He goes, when I get an assist, two people are happy. Exactly. And, and that's really how it is, though. Like, And I feel like in, in, in states, especially right now, it's coming in more. But before, like, I remember I went to this camps when I, I just came here and they didn't want to pass the ball. I'm like, pass, that's the best thing you can do for your teammate. Like you, he scores and it's because of you. So you, you, you kill two birds with one stone. You know, honestly, honestly, uh, Sandro, when I was coaching at the Euro camp, they gave us 30 minutes to practice. You know, it's only a four-day camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. In 30 minutes with, with European players, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, we could put in as much offense as Coach Willard can put in in two weeks. Because <laughs> everybody understands. Pick and yeah, roll, exactly. moving the ball, extra pass. It's like, a sec- it's like second nature. Like when I came here, 
I was yeah. so used to, you know how in Europe they te teach you, like, if he drives baseline, you kind of fill the corner, the top guy got to fill fill his back, and then one guy got to, like, I was so used to that. I remember I would drive, and I would kick it like this, like, behind my head, and it would be a turnover. I would be like, oh, my God, like, is this me? And I feel like slowly I just realized, like, like it's not the same thing. It's not the same rotation and stuff, so I got to start more, like, looking for players. <laughs> and, and I feel like, you know, right now in the, in the higher levels, yeah, but... I feel like just coming in, you got to be more cautious of coming from Europe. They really teach you where to be when the guy drives. And I feel like now in States, it just like fast pace more. And it's so fast. Sometimes you don't, you're not able to do the same things. Yeah. But the NBA is getting more like Europe now. I, I agree. And, and you know, yeah. like, I love it. I just yeah. love, I like Jokic. Just take Jokic, you know. He's, <laughs> he's one in, and Luca. Luca, you see, Luca brought the European yeah. style. And just oh, yeah. doing doing magic, look at magic. You, so you think you think? Have you thought about? You could have turned pro, but did, did you ever think coming over here and having a great college career, plus being from Europe, that NBA teams will say, "Man, we're getting the best of both worlds. We got a guy who we've watched a lot, but we also like you're six eleven and you're you're really like a point power forward." Yeah. I mean, do you think your game fits the league maybe even better than college in some ways? Like. You hope so, right? I don't, I don't. I don't know how to say this. I really yeah. don't want to be cocky, but I feel like yeah. uh, the space I'll have in the league will be much easier for me to facilitate and to create than than in college. You know, in college, you they play pack line defense, so like they like charges, 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 like it charges after charges, and and it's just harder. But I feel like in the NBA, you have so much space, and you know, every player is is a great player in college, but in the NBA, you're already pro. So I feel like the decision-making will be there. And I feel like hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll get a chance. It doesn't matter how or when, but hopefully I'll, I'll have a chance to showcase my skills in, in a higher level. But, you know, I feel like coming over here, I, de I definitely thought I would have the best of both worlds in European basketball. And then Coach Boyle and Coach Willard are going to teach me here. And and I feel like I'll be I'll be all-around player, even though if, if I have to go overseas, uh, I'll have then. Like the, the best thing is you come here and you got knowledge of the game from over, over, overseas. But if you go overseas, you got that, that hunger mentality from states. So if you go overseas, you know you got to be hungry, you got to eat, and you come here and you're like, I know how to play basketball. So yeah. it's the best of both. Definitely. You got the best of both. Okay, I'm not going to keep you much longer. We really appreciate this. We are talking to Sandro Mamukelesvili, <laughs> who, who was yeah. Harcho. Uh, at beef soup, tomato broth, you know, and uh, and uh, King Kali, King Kali, yeah. King Kali too, huh? Oh my! Don't talk about it. Don't talk the dumplings, about it. the dumplings. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Couple more things. Um, just tell me about the disappointment. You guys could have won. You could have been a Final Four team. I saw you play like a number of times. How hard was it to get over the disappointment of the season ending the way it did? <sighs> It was tough, definitely. I remember we were we were getting ready for our game that day, and they just told us, pack your stuff, we're going home. And uh, right, coaches were crying on the bus. And I'll be be honest with you, players crying on the bus, and we are all going home like, no way, like, no way. And, and it, it, it just sucked. But at the same time, health is a lot more important than basketball, you know. Like, ball going to stop bouncing, you know, at, at one, one day. But I, I really wish, like, the, the situation we were in, I feel like it was the right move. And many people just leaving because of the virus. I feel like it, it was a good move by NCAA canceling it. And, um, 
you know, it, it, it's a global pandemic and there was no place from it. And also like after with everything happened with social injustice, I feel like it was it was a great, great time for us to kind of see what was what was going on around us and grow yes. as a person. So you stayed you stayed around in the summertime. You didn't go back to Georgia. No, nah, I went to Pennsylvania. Um, okay. I stayed at Shawnee Ski Resort. Um, yep. Yeah, and just I had a personal trainer, Coach DeHasas, there, and um, we just worked out. And my yeah. brother ten minutes away, so I was I was here. I couldn't go back home. I think I remember that because I was getting ready for the Louisville game, and I remember you uh, reading about that. You were training mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was it was amazing out there. Yeah. I, I love I love peaceful places and nature yeah. and stuff. So. It was the best place you know, ever. You know, used to train in Pennsylvania was a guy named Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> he used to train like some some farm because he wanted that peacefulness, you know? And that's the best thing, you know? When yeah. you can't only focus on basketball <laughs> and nothing else, what's better than that? Yeah. You work out, you come home, and you work out again, and you come home, and then you work out again because there is nothing else to focus on. <laughs> that's because you want to someday become the next Zaza Pachulia. Pachulia, 100%. 100%. <laughs> two rings. You can't two play rings. that. Uh, if he walks down the street in Tbilisi, does everybody know Zaza? Of course. Nas He's a national hero. Yeah. Zaza, Zaza is not only a basketball player. He's more yeah. like a mentor to a lot of young kids. I remember going yeah. to the national team games, and we had Chermadini, Marco Ishvili, Zaza, yeah. and Gelia. Yeah. You would see how, like, how he carried himself, and it was just right. like, oh, my God, like, He's LeBron James of Georgia. So it, it, right. it, was, it was great at, at just watching him. And he's my mentor right now. Uh, he calls me um, really often and we talk about what I can improve. So I'm really blessed to kind of have that type of person in my life. You know, I heard a story about him. He, one of his good Georgian friends, he was in Atlanta, Zaza, and one of his good Georgian friends had a very important dinner with his girlfriend. And Zaza called the restaurant back in Tbilisi and told them to put it on his bill. Oh, really? He paid for the meal. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. That's but a good I, story. I see, I see him doing it, though. I see him yeah. doing it. So. I'm not his, surprised. He's one of the most popular guys, I think, on any team he's ever played. Uh, yeah, he, and, but I feel like he got to work on his fashion a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, he thinks he's stylist, but he's yeah. definitely not. I don't like <laughs> We got to work on that. Yeah. Now, you are you going to uh, – your your dream to play for the national team? Play. I mean, Yeah, I played with the national – like, first of all, my mom – only saw me play once in college, you know, and um, I just love playing for a national team. Not just first of all, because of the, you know, it, it's like patriotism. It's a pride to represent your country and and just show this little kids who are in Georgia who don't have the same. Like, you know, I always try to use my platform the best way I can. And just my platform, I mean, I want to show everybody that it is possible, even though you come from the circumstances where you don't have enough. If you fight and if you have that hunger in you, you can you can succeed. And um, I feel like that's why I love playing for Georgia national teams because all these little kids just see you and they, they all like admire you and you can be the guy who can like dab them up and say like, you know, one day I was in your shoes, keep working. And, and definitely that's great. And also just seeing all my family and friends who I, I see once a year and just going back home, playing for my national team, I, they are in the stands and just looking away and just seeing my aunts, my, my, my friends, my mom, my dad in there. It just kind of like, sometimes I feel like I'm in a dream. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, we appreciate you being on World of Basketball. We're always, I'm always rooting for you. I love the way you play. Thank I told you. you there's only two games a year I don't root for you. <laughs> and that's when you play Villanova. I know, I know. And, and I that know. is an amazing, uh, you know, the great thing about the Big East right now, there's some great rivalries developing. And uh, the way you guys that's are conference. playing, 
Yeah, it's a great conference, and, and you you have made your mark on Seton Hall basketball. So I'm going to be rooting for you. You know I've been talking about you, and I love the NBA draft, so I'm going to keep an eye on you. And Thank you I, very I don't much. I do not do a mock draft, but I know what teams look for <laughs> when they need winning guys on their team. And Thank you. You're, you're, going to, you're going to have that chance. So stay healthy, my friend. Thank okay? you. A, have a great a season. Thank you tell you. Coach Willard I said hi, and you tell my man Bryce Aiken that, <laughs> that, that France said what's up and stay healthy. <laughs> Yeah, okay. he's getting better. He'll be he'll be back soon, and I'll definitely will. I just want to wish you you. I hope you you and your family stay healthy and safe, and you know uh, I hope I'll see you soon. Thank, Thank you very you. much again for in, inviting me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Yeah, Sandro, you are you are our first Georgian uh, on the world of basketball. So, uh, and our and our second Seton Hall guy. I so. need a certificate <laughs> of that. I gotta put well, it on my wall. Yeah, something like <laughs> that. We'll figure that out. But hey, stay safe. Have a great end of the season. Finish you. up. You should. I want you to be an All-American, man. You're you're heading that way. Okay? It's a long way to go, but you know I got to keep my straight face and just take game at the time. So hopefully yeah. everything at the end will work out by itself. Sounds good. All the best, man. Thank you. God bless. Okay. Well, we told you that uh, Sandro uh, Mamukelishvili would be a very fun, interesting young guy, and uh, we just loved his joy for the game, his joy for being. Uh, part of college basketball being in being in america doesn't has not certainly lost his georgian roots uh we uh, talked about even his favorite one of his favorite fruits hacho the uh beef soup tomato broth can't get it really in south orange but uh, he gets into this new york city whenever he can but uh, i feel like that's what we should start asking more of our guests about the food, food that they miss from home yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll look up. We'll look up their favorite meals and see if, uh, <laughs> you know, see if they get any of that in, uh, you know, wherever they are. But uh, you're right. Uh, that was fun. That was really fun. Thanks to Sandro Mamukashvili and the folks over at Seton Hall University. Remember, World of Basketball is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. Check out that new Sirius XM app. You get all the uh, shows we've already taped, and there's some great ones, including Jeff Van Gundy and uh, Jerry Colangelo. And so many others, but Andrew all, Gaze. Andrew Gaze. Got to get the Aussies in. We can never ever forget the Aussies. Well, it's a Seton Hall episode today. We have to bring up Andrew Gaze. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yep, Andrew Gaze gets a mention every week <laughs> from my buddy Chris Tyler, and that's how it should be. Uh, hey, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts for us if you like what we're doing. And again, thanks to Sandro Mamukashvili. All the best of luck to him uh, in his senior year. And remember. Um, I'm bringing you next week, I promise you, to another place in my world of basketball. Serious XM Podcasts.